unbelievably crazy morning. I was in the cafeteria over there, and there was this computer, and it was singing. And I'm like, what is this? What is going on? And I said, what kind of computer is this? And it said, Adele. And I was like, whoa, what's crazy? And right by the computer, I went to get a cup of coffee, and there was a cookie. And the cookie started to talk to me. He says, I don't feel, I said, he's, I, I need to go to the hospital. Why do you, wait, why do you go to the hospital? I'm talking to a cookie, because I feel crummy. <laughs> and then, and so the cookie goes to the hospital, and he feels all better, and he leaves. And then he runs into his friend, Baby Strawberry. And Baby Strawberry's crying. And Cookie goes to Baby Strawberry, why are you crying, Baby Strawberry? And Baby Strawberry says, because my parents are in a jam. Because uh. I know what will cheer you up. I know what will get you excited. Let's go to the stadium. Let's go to a soccer game. And so they go to the stadium, and all the lights are turned off. And it's really dark, and they can't see. So they tap the person next to you. Hey, how do we turn the lights on in this place? He's all, with a soccer match. <laughs> My name is Gio Garces. I am not George Lopez, nor do I play one on TV. It's a little taste of today's uh, theme lesson, which is Mythbusters. I come down from the mountain of Idlewild to bring you good news from the mountain of, of youth camp. And I, I hope you brought your childlike heart today. I hope you can put on your childness and really absorb Jesus like a child. He says, that's who gonna, who's going to get the kingdom. Mythbusters was our theme at youth camp, and I wanted to share one of the lessons with you, the adults. If you, had, if you had a kid, they went to youth camp, this is one of the lessons that I did for them. Hopefully, you know, you have a good sense of humor, but hopefully you uh, understand that we're really trying to deliver a message that's impacting as well. Mythbusters. You know, myths are, are tricky because some myths make sense. Some myth and legends are actually based on some form of truth. So it's not like it's crazy. It actually starts to make sense. But also what makes myths and legends uh, very deceiving is that when they're repeated, they're repeated with confidence and vigor. And so it, it almost comes across like it's believable. But we also understand that myths and legends are incomplete. They don't have all the information. They don't have all the data. There's some things that are missing. And so myths are very important, and we have to kind of wrap our minds around that we live in a world that are, is full of myths, especially myths about God. Right. So how does a myth about God get busted? How do we conquer a myth that, that sounds true, it makes sense, it's said with confidence, but I'm not sure it has all the information? Well, we have to look into it. There was a group of people in the city of Berea, that Paul the Apostle was telling them that the Messiah had come and he had died and he had resurrected. And the people of Berea were like, hmm. Let's see what it says. And the Bible gives it a description. The Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul 
said was true. Why do they examine the scriptures? To see if what Paul said was true. They looked into it. And as a result, many of them believed. You know, when we are confronted with a myth that makes sense, that's said with confidence, but you're not totally sure, we have to investigate it. We have to look into it. And the ultimate myth buster is the Bible. Amen. The Bible, what does that stand for? Basic instructions before leaving earth. It's very simple, right? <laughs> Basic instructions before leaving earth. God gave us the manual. It is the truth. If you want to solve a mystery about human nature, humankind, God, it's in the Bible. That's why it's so important. So that leads us to the myths about Jesus. There was a lot of myths about Jesus. Remember, he was rejected as the Messiah because there were some myths that developed about Jesus. And one of the myths that I want to talk about today was the myth that Jesus, he, he's just a man. He's just a regular guy. And it makes sense. He was a man. In fact, he had a mother. And the mother got pregnant without being married to the dad. Remember that story? The Holy Spirit. We all know the story now that we've been through everything. But back then, he was looked on as just a man. He had brothers. He had sisters. In fact, uh, he knew the Bible very well. Around his teenage years, his father actually passed away. We don't hear of him anymore. He's gone. He's out of the picture. So what does Jesus do? He takes, as the firstborn of the family, he takes care of his mom. He takes care of the family. He provides for them. He becomes a carpenter. That was a trait of his father. So for many years, we don't hear from Jesus because he's just, he's just gone. And then when he's about 30, he comes on the scene. And he goes into the synagogue. And in the synagogue, they have these massive scrolls of the Old Testament. There's no chapter or verse. It's just a scroll. And he grabs the scroll, and he finds a verse in Isaiah that specifically talks about the Messiah. And he reads the verse out loud to everyone in the synagogue, and he says, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your presence. And just the way you're staring at me, they stared at him. You know, what did he just say? Isn't, isn't he making our, our sofa? This guy? Who? What? This guy? He didn't go to rabbi school. He just said that the Messiah description has been filled today in your presence. So that was like... <sighs> well, they're wondering. So he starts his ministry. He said he's the Messiah, but wait, is he a prophet? Maybe he's a prophet. Maybe he's just a man who's a prophet that God's speaking through, and he's talking about God, and he's, and he's doing stuff. But the miracles, though, how do you explain? When the blind man that we all saw was blind from birth, Jesus spits on the ground, grabs mud, puts it in his eye, and touches him, and then he, he can see. How do you explain that? Or when the, the man who couldn't walk, he was crippled since birth, he tells him to get up, and the man walks. 
the miracles. Or when the leper came to him and kneeled before him and says, if you're willing, you can clean me. He's like, I will. And he touches him and he heals the leper. How do you explain? So people were wondering, wait a minute. Is he man? Is he prophet? Or is he the Messiah? And there was a lot of questions. So Jesus goes about his ministry doing this. And so he has his 12 apostles and he takes them to an area called Caesarea Philippi. And then he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they're like, well, some say, like, you're John the Baptist. You know, he, oh, he's dead. Or Elijah, he's been dead for a really long time. Or still others, like Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Now, if you just bear with me, I added in a little adult section for the adults in the room. I didn't show this to the kids, so this is new information. For the grown-ups. Because I know you love good information. Jesus takes them to this area, Caesarea Philippi. It was an area that was uh, uh, given to Herod Philip, who in honor of Caesar names, names this area, this town, after Caesar, but he also names it after himself. And it's located here. And this is a very, very familiar place to a lot of people during those times. And this time, when the Canaanites lived there before Moses brought the Israelites, this area was on top of a cliff, and looking down into this area, this, this area they had put a lot of uh, idols that are carved into the, into the rock, and they worshipped different gods there for a long time. In fact, one of the kings of Israel decided to do the same thing and led Israel astray. So Jesus is in Caesarea Philippi here with disciples, and he's asking them, who do people say the Son of Man is? But what's interesting, in this, in the, when the Greeks took it over and when the Romans took it over, they had a god that lived there in the cliff. And what's interesting about this cliff was that inside this cliff were two large caves. And in those caves were water, were waters, or waterous caverns. And they, they believed that there was a god that lived inside those caves. And those caves were the entrance into the underworld known as Hades. And so they set up shrines and temples, and the Greeks set up these fertility gods. And, uh, uh, and there was a lot of sexual sin going on in these temples because they wanted to revere the god Pan, who was living in there as they believed. And these, these, these caverns, these caves, they were known as the entrance into the underworld. They were known as the gates of Hades. And just above these, these rocks... This area, there was idols carved into the stone, symbolizing the, the ancient Canaanites who had worshipped all their other gods there. So here's Jesus in Caesarea Philippi, in this pagan rich culture. And he's asking the disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Oh, he must be a prophet. And then he goes, who do you say I am? That's a question for all of us. Who do you say I am? He's asking them, and he's asking us. And then out of the 12, Simon goes, you are the Messiah. They were like, everyone was kind of wondering, who, who are you? 
And Peter goes, no, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus answers, blessed are you, Simon, because this was revealed to you by God himself. And then, if you guys know the passage, he says, and on this rock I will build my church. And on this rock I will build my church. And then he says, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And for a long time I thought Peter was that rock. I'm going to build my church on the rock. And for a long time I thought it was Peter. You know, Peter's called the rock. But his name is Petros in the Greek. And rock in the Greek is Petra, feminine, fertility gods, the rock, the idols. And Jesus is telling the, the apostles, I am going to build my church in a pagan world. Let me repeat that. I will build my church in a pagan world and the gates of Hades, paganism, will not overcome the church. But they are trying really hard, aren't they? They're throwing a lot of myths out there, a lot of myths and myths about God. Every year we see it in the news cycle. I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Isn't that awesome? And so Jesus tells them who he is. And then he's healing more people. But not just healing now. He goes from healing to telling people, I will give you eternal life. He's telling people that if you follow me, you'll live forever. And so the people of the law, the people of the rabbis, the Pharisees, the, 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 all these people that, were, that studied the Old Testament, they were so upset. They grabbed stones and they're ready to kill Jesus. And there's a mob of them. And Jesus goes, whoa, 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 whoa. I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which one do you stone me? They're like, no, no, no. We're not stoning you for good works. We're going to stone you because you claim to be God. That's why we're going to kill you. You're a man. You're mortal. You're not God. And Jesus escapes with his life. And you think for a moment that the Emmanuel, the God with us, the Messiah, you think, for, you think they would have a moment of clarity going, this guy's healing? He's claiming to be God? He promises eternal life? You think these men who knew their Bibles would have a moment and say, Maybe he's the Messiah. You think they would. But there's a reason why they didn't believe it. Because they started to believe a myth about Jesus. And that myth was that he's from Galilee, not Bethlehem. And one of their own guys is like, wait, guys, shouldn't we hear Jesus out? Shouldn't we listen to him? Shouldn't we sit down? Doesn't our law even say we should sit down? And their reply was, are you from Galilee too? LOL, LOL, LOL. Bible's got jokes. Look into it. And you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. That was the myth. It made sense because they were kind of, kind of right. Jesus was not known as Jesus of Bethlehem. He was known as what? Jesus of where? Nazareth. What was Nazareth? Galilee. So they had bought into the myth that he can't, I don't care how many miracles, how many people he heals, I don't care how many. A prophet cannot come from Galilee. And they were right because 700 years earlier, Micah said he's got to be in Bethlehem. 
But because they didn't look into it, because they didn't bother to uncover that Jesus was actually born in Bethlehem, because the Roman government said there's a census, everyone has to come to their hometown, and his parents came down, and he was born in a manger in where? Bethlehem. And then he had to run town because Herod wanted to do what? Kill him. Right? And so these Pharisees were convinced that he cannot be the Messiah. He never be the Messiah. He must die for what he's saying. It made sense because they believed the myth. I wonder how many myths we believe. And we live our lives based on myths. Because we're waiting for a Sunday sermon to reveal the truth. You'll never defeat myths if you don't personally look into it. You personally have to look into it and uncover the secrets and the knowledge that are there, right? He was born in Bethlehem. Not really secrets, but you know what I mean? You have to uncover it yourself. No one's going no to tell you the, the, the truth out in the world. They're going to tell you myths about Jesus. And so, our world has a lot of myths. And the Bible warns us. It says, guys, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human-thinking philosophers and from the spiritual powers of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in human body. So he was a man, but he was fully man and fully God. Whoa, that explains it? And our world wants to capture you. Here's some ways that our world is very tricky. In some ways, they like to capture you with social media. I'm not saying it's evil. It's not an evil thing, but it's a tricky evil little guy. He tries to, it tries to get all your attention. It tries to get you into enter this world of my life is so amazing, yet suicide rates are going through the roof. I'm just going to post every positive thing but not really reveal myself on social media. I rarely see on social media, I'm just depressed today. I rarely see that. I just, it's like, wow, he has a jet ski? Wow, they're going to Hawaii again? You know, wow, you know. Wow, that's his backyard? It's amazing. Games. This is for the, this is for the, the, the little ones. Fortnite, video games, Rainbow Six, hours and hours and hours. They don't even see the sun anymore. They're locked in a room, just watching it, just playing it. Go, Mom, I'm going to go to my friend's house. Wink, wink, Fortnite. It's just taking all their time and energy. Here's the adult's favorite. We disappear with a glass of wine. Don't talk to no one for weeks. <laughs> You're gone. And when the season, season's over, season 13 finishes, you talk to people again. You're lost. You're gone. Can't find you. Midweek? Forgot that. You left because we, we're gone. We disappear. I thought he got, just got baptized. Yeah, he's gone. Hulu. If you want to find a Christian who's not a church, just go to the house, knock on the door. They're in front of the TV. 
Sometimes it's our finances. It get consumes us because we get so worried. What's the future? What's going what's to happen? Yeah. It's a myth. We're focused on finances more than God. And all these things, they take us away from God, even ourselves. We remove ourselves from fellowship. And sometimes the reason why we do that is because we have our own myths in our head. And those are tricky, scary ones. For example, here's a myth. My faith is all that matters. My behavior doesn't matter. Just my faith. All that matters is that I believe in Jesus. My behavior, no, no, no. That has nothing to do with it. It's just my faith. My behavior does not matter. And nothing could be further from the truth. But that's a myth that's real. It's real. And people buy into it big time in the Christian world. People won't like me if they really know me. That's real. People won't like me if they really know me. It's scary to reveal yourself to others. The pressure of just trying to fit into a social group and checking out, checking out the, how it works and then fitting right in. And it's difficult for us to believe that will someone really like me for me with all my funniness about me? All my, you know, things that I find, like, I don't know if I can tell them that because they might think, they might not call back. <laughs> they might not text me anymore. I might not get included. That's a real myth. Here's another one. I know what I'm doing is bad, but I can't stop. I know what I'm doing is wrong, and it's bad, but I just can't stop. That's a myth. I know what I do. I know what I'm watching is bad, but I can't stop. I know what I'm thinking is bad, but I can't stop. That's a myth that'll isolate you, make you lonely. And these are all, nothing could be further from the truth. Here's another one. No one can help me. No one can really help me. You know, I used to think that no one could help me as a Christian. There was so much things swirling from my just growing up. I didn't know how to channel that stuff. So I just bury it deep within the caverns of Hades and just never deal with it. Well, this year I dealt with it and I got help and I found other people like me. It was amazing. And I got help with that because I didn't think anyone could help that. Every time I talk about that, crazy stuff comes out. I couldn't control it. Uncontrollable tears would come out. Who wants to cry? What kind of, what kind of grown man loves to cry? Not me, right? But I got to go into the caverns of my heart. And it was awesome. I didn't know I can cry without, without like, you know, going crazy. and You know, just like I'm trying to hide another man from coming out. I mean, the guys go, because we're trying not to cry. This, this, this other human's trying to come out going, hey, let's talk about this. Like, sit down, don't come out, whatever. 
Guys know what I'm talking about. We're just afraid to go, wow, we're afraid. So we don't do it, so we just choke that dude down. Well, my guy finally came out and goes, oh, yeah, the oxen free. And he came out, and it was awesome. And he wasn't that scary. These are some of the myths that are in our head. And then God tells us this. I heal the brokenhearted. I bind up your wounds. I can fix what you broke. Because that's the, that's the catch, right? No one can fix me because I'm broken. God says, I heal the brokenhearted. I fix your wounds. I fix what you broke. I alone can fix that. And then Jesus says, hey, if you're weary, if you're burdened, if you're tired, I'll give you rest, not just for your mind, but for your soul. This is what Jesus is telling us. When we have our own myths in our head, he says, come to me. I'll give you rest for your soul. So then the question comes back to us. What about you? Who do you say I am? That's what he's asking you this morning. Is he a man? Is he the Messiah? Is he a prophet? Who is he? Well, you got to look into it. You got to look into it. Because you can get all emotional now. Yes, he's a Messiah. Look into it. Search the Bible. Because it's the ultimate myth buster. It's the ultimate myth buster. So this morning, I gave you a little taste of youth camp. I even wore my shirt to show it off. If you were a counselor at youth camp, like Jenny over there, thank you for serving our camp. Thank you for sending your kids to our camp. We love having them. It is the greatest week of my life there. So thank you for your time this morning, and I hope you'll bust the myth just like they did right here. All right, thanks for your time.